much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise wealth like nobody else has done. Do the masochism tango. Welcome to the Points League. I'm your host and commissioner, Sean Murphy. With me this evening, on my left, is the man who will be leading us off on Saturday afternoon. That is Jack Battaglia. Welcome back to the pod, Jack. Hey, Sean. Happy to be here. Excellent. And we actually have a, a third co-host, or I guess a second co-host, and that is coming to you from... Bloomington, Indiana, and a place that we all have fondest memories of, Tim Byrne, back on the pod for probably the 15th time. Welcome back, Tim. Tim. Welcome back, Tim. <laughs> We've lost our second co-host, um, tragically. <clears throat> I think I'm back. I think I'm back. Okay, you're back. There he is. He's got that. He's got the headset on. He's got the IU water bottle. Yeah. Did I mention you were the 2021 uh, Fantasy Baseball finalist? Thank you. That's an important resume builder. It's a big part of why I'm only negative $239 over the course of a decade of playing fantasy baseball or whatever. It's, uh, you know, it's been rough for you, but it's been rougher for others, hasn't it, Jack? Yeah, you know, it was really cool when you sent the agenda around to include the profit chart right underneath it so I could just... And, you know, a different view of the profit chart would be titled it um, original. Red is bad, green is good, and there I am, right at the bottom. Yes. Exciting times. Do you, you let off last year as well. Do you remember who you nominated first? Oh, was it, was it Freeman? Yes, that's exactly right. And you won him, if I'm not mistaken, with a $62 bid. And then made a tidy profit sending him the crab. Yes. Yes, Rob Crab. Under the kind of an under the radar move, as Vandy pointed out. Um, I think it was actually at Rob's bachelor party that, that he mentioned that. But yeah, no one really talked about that deal, but it seemed to work for both parties. Um, so anyway, we have this group together. I wanted to get this group together because a couple years ago we did a pod entitled how to move a market, and it is one of my favorite pods that we've done as a group. Um, we've done like 70 episodes now, and I, I think that episode is really one of the best um, we've ever done in terms of getting into the mechanics of trading and valuations and things like that. So I thought I would get Tim and Jack back together again uh, to discuss uh, the off season in which well, Jack was very involved, in, and Tim wasn't so much, but we'll get to that in a bit. Um, before we get to that, why don't we uh, go ahead and share some life updates, um, if you have any. I will start, because it's real quick. Um, over the past month, uh, Amanda and I have sent out uh, our wedding invites. Uh, hopefully, everyone has received that. If you're listening to this pod, you probably got an invite. Um, if you're having any issues with the RSVP or anything like that, let me know. Um, but we hope to see everyone in Grand Bend uh, on June 30th. So uh, that's my short update. Um, Jack, do you have anything for us? Um, well, I don't know if I've told everyone in you know the, the pod land out there. My wife is pregnant. Valerie is going to be having her second. Uh, a boy due sometime in June, which is going to 
make your way a little difficult, but we'll talk <laughs> about that later. No worries. Congratulations. Um, it's very exciting, and I, I think it's a little. I mean, the upside, oh. the upside, Jack, is that it makes your three AM waiver ads way more doable. You're already going to be awake. Yeah, it's it's really a blessing in disguise for that reason alone, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm fortunately accustomed to the whole like you know there's no meaning to time. You're just awake or not awake. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it does help for, for those late rounds. Super exciting. Uh, Tim, I don't, I don't know that you have anything quite on that level, but maybe something... Uh... Uh, I definitely do not. Um, I, am, I am very much looking forward to the Murphy Friesen wedding. Um, I will be flying solo. My girlfriend will not be able to join, but that is not an invitation for Johnny... Uh, anybody else, Adam Whitten, to make their way into my bedroom at night, maybe with a pile driver or a people's elbow, not what I'm looking for in this experience. So uh, I'm excited to see everybody, but I am not looking for a bunk mate or a bed mate for the weekend either. That's an oddly specific thing to say when you don't want it, Tim. I, I feel like <laughs> you might actually want it. You know, he, I mean, he has a reason for that fear. If, if we remember the last time we were going to Arizona, uh, he definitely had the people's elbow dropped on him while he was in the comfort of his bed after a grueling poker match. Yes. And, uh, Just you know, terrible. He, uh, he took it, he took it, didn't know it was happening, and that's what made it so special for everyone. <laughs> but, uh, yes, all right, well, that's very exciting. We are... Happy to have you coming up to, to Grand Bend. Uh, and again, if, if anyone has any questions, just let me know. Um, transitioning into uh, the, the Phoenix trip real quick. Uh, Tim, I will be seeing your lovely face here in uh, a couple days. Uh, we're going to get to spend yeah. some quality time alone at the uh, Talking Stick Resort and Casino, which is a pretty big casino. Um, it's got a big poker room. Uh, I know it has sports betting kiosks. It's got like three different pools. So hopefully, uh, we will, we'll enjoy our time getting our, our sports and gambling bit, um, underway, uh, before everyone arrives on Friday. Um, I am excited to lose money before we start the season where in which I will also then lose more money. So, um, I honestly can't wait. It'll be so much fun. Yes, it should be a really good time, um, and, obvi- and we have a, you know, a separate thread uh, coordinating everyone. I, I think there's quite a few people that get in at about the same time on Friday, so hopefully they're able to get an Uber to Talking Stick. You can store your bags with us until we go over to the Airbnb about 25 minutes away from Talking Stick, um, probably around 3 p.m., uh, so uh, that'll be fun. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll be just great to, to see everyone that's coming. Um, and one of the uh, items that was discussed today is the fact that IU will probably be playing in the middle of the auction on Saturday. Um, so we'll have that on, but uh, you know, IU just beat Michigan uh, the other day. Tim, I didn't know if you had a, an IU basketball update, you know, just kind of where things stand, you know, how you think the Big Ten Championship tournament will 
play out? How do you think IU will fare in the, well, in the NCAA? Like, like most IU basketball seasons, I get my hopes up. Those those hopes come crashing down from January 10th through February 10th, and then I like somehow find a reason to have hope again, but like not so much more. And then those come crashing down again, come like March 10th. So really we are right in the prime cycle for tears coming up. And yeah, this is a bitter IU team when it has existed in a, in a long time, but they are not without their foibles, which includes um, a, a really unique ability to both go on a scoring run and to give up a scoring run. There's some like really interesting like college basketball uh, analytics on teams that um, give up scoring runs of you know ten straight points or, or can go on them. And I use like this weird team that can absolutely just do like a ten nothing run, twelve nothing run, but also give it up. And that that's likely not the case for success um, come March. So uh, I will I'll probably be fading Indiana University in my FanDuel app uh, at some point. Um, I do think I do think the Big Ten sucks. So they can absolutely actually like win that Big Ten tournament, especially because they've beaten Purdue twice. So they're not afraid to to play Purdue or beat Purdue. But they can absolutely like there's a chance they played Maryland on Friday. Um, and they can lose to Maryland by nine points and we don't even have to worry about Saturday. So um, it'll be it'll be interesting. They could also totally win that and make their way to like eh, probably a three seed given uh, the Rob Krabby method of bracketology, but um, they're probably more likely to land in a five spot than anything else. But uh, yeah, they're at least been good. They've been ranked this year. I think they're they're making auto progress, but um, they can be very frustrating. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Jack. I you and I were talking about you and VJ getting together at some point to watch IU basketball in the you know Chicago area. Have you been able to to watch? Uh, many games this season. I, I don't know your level of fandom. I, I, I know you're probably not on a, uh, what is that the website called that everyone's on? Uh, Pegs. Uh, inside the hall. Oh, or inside the hall. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't do my research, but I watch the games. I'd say probably two out of three. I am able to catch. Um, my my boss is actually a good ancient IU grad from you know back in the days so we talk about him behind campus during like the 60s demonstrations and, oh, wow. uh, and he follows the Big Ten too so it's kind of you know you got someone at work to uh, you know do the office cooler uh, you know bit with but um, yeah I don't know I, I, I as jealous as I am about your Arizona talk I don't relish you guys having to be in the same room as Rob Crabb while watching IU play probably what Northwestern on on Saturday. Um, God forbid they actually lose, but they'll, they'll probably actually occupy him more than anyone else in the room. Um, so you know, might actually benefit from the distraction. Yeah, it's always an interesting dynamic when there's a, a, a basketball game in the background that everyone's interested in. We've had that happen a couple times when we've done these trips. I remember, I think it was when we did the Vegas trip and it seemed like half the room was completely distracted between the game going on and then also Gower being completely MIA for like 90 minutes of the draft. 
Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, if that situation arises again. But uh, to to Tim's point, I it was I was trying to uh, kind of find an edge with betting some of the the conference winners this week, um, and yeah, I'm completely fading the Big Ten tournament. It doesn't seem like there's much edge given the the betting odds provided by the different sports books. Um, what was interesting in the 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 model that I used was you know they have Purdue as obviously the favorite to win at like thirty three percent, but uh, they actually had IU as a narrow second at like twelve percent. But it, it just seems like there's so much parity in the Big Ten this season that literally anyone could win. Like I, it looked like the best value to me was actually on Iowa, and that would be like like a five percent chance, and I'm I'm probably just not going to wager on that one, but. Um, it really seems like it's it's really anyone's uh, title, um, which should make for a, a pretty exciting weekend. Yeah, I think think... the actual tournament starts, I'm gonna just bet every not even not even do any other strategy. It's just like there's so much parity in college basketball. I'm just gonna bet every underdog. Jack, what were you gonna say? No, I, I don't know. I was gonna push on Tim's comment that the the Big Ten blows, but then I started actually thinking about how many Big Ten teams are in the top 25. Like, okay, actually, that's gonna make sense. But, um, yeah, Tim, any more uh, betting advice? Um, (laughs) College basketball or otherwise? Don't do it, really. It's kind of, it's more just a time suck. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's straight up honesty right there. It's a great way to make, like, a dumb Tuesday night game when you're like, I don't have anything else going on. Give me a reason to care about this Brooklyn Nets versus Oklahoma City Thunder basketball game. But other than that, you should not expect to win. I did. I got into this groove with um, a buddy of mine during football season. We would bet these <clears throat> FanDuel calls them same-game parlays. But basically, you try to find highly correlated, you know, player props. Uh, Christian McCaffrey to rush for 100 yards. Christian McCaffrey to score two touchdowns, like whatever else. And you get enormous odds uh, on them because you pick, like, pretty out there things. But if you only pick two or three legs, uh, you can can win pretty good money. So uh, I hit one that was, like, it was the Niners and the um, Seahawks game. And I had Christian McCaffrey to, like, a bunch of yards. I had George Kittle for two touchdowns. And I also then had uh, Geno Smith to, like, under passing yards, like under 215 yards or whatever. Um, so that $10 bet paid out, like, 900 bucks. Nice. Um, so I, playing those is really exciting because then you're just sort of, like, you know it's not going to win, but you're thinking there's a chance. And, and really when you add in these, like, two touchdown bets or something else, that's when the odds start to really go. So if, if a guy gets one touchdown, you're just – you're praying for it. So um, that was really fun to football. It's really hard to do that kind of a thing in basketball because um, they just don't put – they just don't make the odds so high. But uh, I – you know, I have some fun with it. But it, it's a – I think of it as, like, this is my trade-off from, like, going to dinner or – Wearing a bun, you know, like uh, wearing whatever I want, or just like doing whatever. I don't know. Uh, it's a lifestyle choice. Nice. Yeah, I've uh, I've definitely gotten into it um, since moving here to Ontario, and 
Yeah, yeah, I've uh, I have not, I haven't, I don't really do the the parlays, but there's a site that I subscribe to, and uh, basically what they do is they model stuff out based on the pinnacle line, and then with the APIs that they have connected to all the different sports book, it identifies how much of a of an edge there is um, versus the pinnacle line, which they're basically using as like their source of truth, and then uh, they'll give you a uh, recommended bet based on your bankroll. So it's it's been really exciting um, just kind of doing that every day. Um, but it doesn't really feel like I'm gambling as much because I don't watch the games. I just bet whatever comes up on my screen and, uh, and just plug it in and go to the next one. So not nearly as exciting as um, the stuff that, that Tim's doing. Um, but yeah, or well, unless it's like a game that I'm watching. So if it's like the Leafs or if it's IU, then it obviously changes the excitement but yeah i i can't tell you how many bundesliga matches i've bet on this year that i absolutely have not watched but go Bayern apparently um we'll uh, we'll transition to the wbc which i'm very excited for it's like the first time they've had this event since 2017 it's only the fifth iteration and it's a pretty exciting field there's a lot of major leaguers there's a lot of ex-major leaguers um also involved in it and, um, you know, I think for, for everyone coming on the trip, you know, we're going to see the U.S. versus England. And, and let's be honest, if, if the U.S. doesn't win by at least five runs, I, I think I'm going to be pretty disappointed given the squad that they're putting out there. There's only, I think, Trace Thompson um, and Harry Ford are really the only notable players or position players on the team. Oddly enough, Aroldis Chapman is on the English team because his, like, grandfather or something has some... A fit, like relation to England, so he's actually on that roster, if I'm not mistaken. Um, which, of course, when you think about Royal Chapman, you think Cuba, um, but he also <laughs> defected in the middle of one of these WBCs, if I'm not mistaken, from Cuba, and they just are like, yeah, you can never play again. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be really exciting to watch on TV. I I honestly wish that. Um, the U.S. would have been in the Miami region, which probably would have changed this trip because uh, watching them play this Dominican team um, is really the, the real all-star game in terms of like actually trying to, to win something. Um, I, I think it's going to be a really exciting uh, competition. I, Japan will be good. Korea will be good. Um, Mexico should be strong. Venezuela should be good. And Puerto Rico has got a really strong team. Um, so, you know, there's six really good teams and, and the Dominican is the, the odds on favorite, um, which might surprise some folks, um, listening, but, um, their lineup is like basically the best players in baseball, practically minus like Mike Trout. I guess it's arguable, but their pitching staff is also significantly better than what the U S is putting out. Um, so most of it will be on MLB network, if I'm not mistaken, um, and uh, I'm really excited to see how people, what the, the response that it gets, because it, it really kind of built up, if I recall, in, in, during the 2017 season, which seems a very, very long time ago. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I, you say the Dominican team, you'd be you know, surprised, but not after you see the lineup, right? It, it's, it really is a you know, who's who. Um, a lot of young players, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, should be exciting. Um, you know, we'll see. I know for you know the games going on over in you know like 
Japan and, and Korea, those games are super early morning. So if 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 you uh, if you are prompted by a uh, a child or uh, it is tax season, so a dependent, um, you know you might be able to get up and watch <laughs> um, some of those games that that come on at four a.m. There's a lot of players on those teams who could be major leaguers, but for whatever reason they haven't wanted to post, which I can't really blame them. All obviously there's big culture shock as well. Um, I think the the player that I would keep my eye on for Japan is Sasaki. Um, he's kind of the next big pitcher that'll be coming over in the next few years. Um, and, you know, that team can hang with anyone. I mean, they're going to have Darvish and Otani pitching. Um, so, um, and, and, you know, the thing of it is, you know, unlike the Major League Baseball playoff, um, you know, it, it's a one-game, it, you know, it, it's a one-game knockout. So, like, you know, Anything can happen. There's just no, you know, play for Wednesday, you know, because you're down by a couple runs. You, you have to win that game. So, um, it'll be, it'll be a really exciting, uh, competition once one, especially once we get to the knockout stages. Um, so yeah, but, uh, so, so that's what we've got for the WBC. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to add on, on the WBC or anything like that? Any questions or anything? Nope. No, I, I noticed that it expanded to 20 teams this year for the first time, and uh, which I just didn't notice. Um, like, there are some teams, like, I don't know, some African teams that I thought were... I mean, I don't know. I don't know how prevalent baseball is in some of these countries. I kind of assume it's, you know, limited in scope, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's great to see that it's expanding so much. Yeah, I think one thing, once... You know, kind of comparing it to the World Cup, I, I think one of the frustrating parts for me on some level is the fact that no one gets cap-tied, you know, once you debut for a team. So, like, for example, Marcus Stroman pitched, was, like, like one of the most important players in Team USA that won in 2017, but he's actually pitching for Puerto Rico this time, and we, we just mentioned that Chapman used to pitch for Cuba. I hope that as this competition matures that they look into more stringent standards for tying yourself to a particular country. Right now it's, you know, in part, it's a big marketing event, right? So like, if you can get a player that's really good on one of these teams, you do it just to, to you know, level the, the competitive field. Cause like, you, know, you look at like Australia or, you know, England, you know, they're gonna get their asses kicked. If they win one game, they're gonna be happy about it. But, um, you know, I, I do think that's something you know, in, in a couple, you know, maybe in like 20 years that they, they really kind of clamp down on. Because, um, I mean, the game is really growing, um, you know, across Europe. And, and obviously it's always been, or it's been big in uh, you know, Japan and Korea for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, that's that's kind of one thing. Um, actually, and also speaking of, of soccer, I, I did not add this to the agenda, but did you have any, uh, Jack, did you have any thoughts on... The Premier League season, obviously, it's no, been a... No, fuck you, Sean. No, <laughs> fuck you, okay? I mean, I, I'm so... Granted, I saw the, you know, most recent game um, your United had, and, you know, my condolences. I, I know what it means to... It was brutal. <sighs> yeah, it really was. No, I, I don't know. I, I root for a very frustrating team, much like I, you know, my baseball team. Uh, it's uh, by luck. I, I didn't. I I didn't know that I was signing up for this level of 
misery by becoming a, a Hotspur supporter. I, I really thought, you know, I. To be fair, I, I'm not a masochist, right? I Cubs <laughs> is by birth, right? I, you know, my, my father passed that to me. I didn't have a choice in the matter. Um, and the Hotspur, you know, I, I, I had. Kane and and Son on my early fantasy teams got me excited. This is a team that was to finish in top three, uh, but they're averse to trophies and um, and they lost to the Wolves last week. So whatever, man. Um, that's that's my hot take. Yeah, it's been a rough season for uh, for the Spurs. Um, I. I would like to tell you that things are going to get better, but I really don't think that they will. I think they're actually going to stay the same or get worse. So, um, <laughs> yeah, probably. I am. I'm just hopeful that despite uh, yesterday that United are, are turning a page. Um, I, I do think the, the coach Ten Hag is pretty solid, and I'm happy that it, it appears that ownership is going to change in some capacity. I like it might actually get worse on some level. Um, but, Are you talking about United or Spurs or both? Uh, I'm talking about United. Um, it okay. seems like both of those teams are always rumored to have ownership changing. Um, yeah, and, yeah. You know, a lot of the big six are, um, with the exception of maybe uh, City. But yeah, it's a it's a weird situation. I would prefer for the Qatari group not to win um, out um, just because of the corruption. Um, you know, say what you want about the Glazers, uh, their corruption's just a little different. So, I mean, cheering for an English Premier League team is really just like, you know, what sort of worldwide villain do you want to cheer for uh, <laughs> through through yeah. through uh, the lens of sports? Um, but uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, just wanted to check in there um, before we we move into what should be a pretty dense fantasy baseball discussion um obviously the the auction is upon us finally um after i would say a pretty short off season um you know usually we have this auction you know a couple weeks later um but because of the timing of the wbc and the trip uh moved it forward a little bit um before we get into kind of all the some of the transactions that have been made some of the analysis um for our teams i did just want to mention um, uh, a couple of changes for the Fantasy Baseball League, just as a reminder. Um, we did vote at the end of last year to give everyone unlimited uh, NA spots. So if you want a prospect to go in there, if you want a, uh, a major leaguer who has lost prospect um, status and gets sent down, you can put them in a NA. If they're on paternity or bereavement, you can put them in the NA spot. If they're suspended, you can put them in the NA spot. Um, so, uh, you know, I, as much as I enjoyed, um, playing, uh, Mary McCheese with Rob, um, who I think exercised a lot of, uh, weaponized incompetence in terms of understanding the NA rules, um, I do think it's better for the entire league to, uh, remove the restrictions there and, uh, and just open it up. So hopefully, um, that makes it easier for everyone. Um, and we also had dues increase to $150, which uh, most of you have paid at this point. Um, just a couple people left. Uh, please get those in before Wednesday. Um, Tim, any any sort of thoughts here on uh, 
on the NA change? I mean, I will personally miss the Sunday morning, 8.30 a.m. as I'm working morning trade routes to then see the group me blow up with somebody's NA spot. Um, <clears throat> just a just an era gone by in the points league, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, I will I'll remember this time fondly. Uh, <clears throat> I do think it's probably for the best. I think it'll get a little crazy. Um, it'll be really interesting. I think if if you were uh, an Adam Witten that um, really doesn't have any interest in winning next year, then you should <laughs> be exploring this this option you know, pretty vibrantly, mm-hmm. um, but that's another story for another day. So I'm, I, I'm excited. It'll bring a, a different wrinkle, probably just uh, save all of us a little bit of time on texting Sean. What is the rule again? And oh my God. Uh, getting, the, getting into debates on that. The thing that people don't know is the amount of tattling that goes on, not on the group me thread, but directly through text message to me at all hours of the day, any day of the week. And I like, I'd love to write a book about all the, the <laughs> under-the-surface, like, bullshit that, like, comes through me um, that, that doesn't see the light of day ever. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, the, the, the amount of tattling on people was, uh, was always very uh, fascinating to me. Um, but that will be coming to an end. And, uh, and yeah, I think it'll be for the best. Um, so uh, we'll... Uh, so the... So to be clear, Sean, the rule is that if there is an N.A. next to this guy's name on Yahoo, period, I can shove him in the slot, yep. no questions. Okay. Uh, there will be no policing on my end. You can fill those four spots however you wish. But when, you know, uh, Zach Allen goes on paternity leave in the middle of the season and you've got four prospects that are already in there, don't get upset with me. Like, that's all you're getting. You just get the four. So someone's got to go or you're going to have to eat a bench spot. So, you know, that's something to, to keep in mind before folks go crazy. Um, you know, I, I know there's going to be, you know, an appetite to, you know, draft those those rookies who's, uh, in the auction and, and right after, but uh, you might want to save some of those spots in case one of your guys goes on uh, paternity or bereavement because it it seems to happen a lot. Um, or so. don't don't take Sean's advice. He's not here to help you. He's here to beat you. Do not take anything he has to say with any kind of credibility. But that's just not a point of view. Yeah. I'm happy to, to beat everyone with, you know, the knowledge of what the rules are. That, that, that makes me happy, beating, beating people fair and square. Um, the, uh, the other change that, that I want to touch on is the actual MLB rule changes, which I, I think will have a pretty dramatic uh, impact on the gameplay this year. I think it will have a really positive effect on the aesthetic of baseball. And, and kind of the first one is the pitch clock. Um, so basically, there's a couple of different like stipulations. Like it's like 15 seconds to initiate your motion. If there's no one on base, I think it's 20 seconds for one person being on base, and then like maybe 25 for multiple people. Um, and then you can also only throw over, I think, twice in an at bat, and then it becomes like a balk. Um, so like I think you're gonna see a, a pretty notable increase in the number of stolen base attempts. Um, that are, that are made uh, throughout the season. And, you know, when they did this exercise throughout the minor leagues, it saved um, about 25 minutes on average 
um, for games. So, you know, it's long been a complaint of people that baseball games take too long. I think shaving off 25 minutes is pretty substantial. Um, and I, I think it'll really improve, um, you know, in watching on, on TV. Um, so I, I, I think the pitch clock rule is a really good one, but it's going to take some getting used to. Um, and, uh, you know, you won't have those, you know, those long at bats where someone's getting in the box and then they're, you know, taking their gloves off and getting back in. And then the pitcher, like, I, I think it's going to be just shut up and go. Um, one downstream effect, and, and I'll let you guys kind of riff on this in a moment, is, is I could actually see there being an increase in pitching injuries. And I also think you'll see a decrease in velocity, um, fastball velocity because you're not gonna have as much rest in between pitches. If you just kind of like think about it, like if you ever go to the gym and you're doing like, I don't know, like a bench press, you know, how much you can get up after you do that first set is gonna be dramatically different if you only give yourself 15 seconds versus say two minutes. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious to see um, who's able to maintain velocity and what impact that has offensively because you would think if there's decreased velocity, there should be an increase in offensive output. So um, those are those are my thoughts on the pitch clock. Um, but any thoughts? I don't know if you guys have caught any of the, the spring training games, but it, you know, it's definitely... I, I'm very interested to see um, if the effect on pitching is, is really notice, will be noticeable. Um, uh, and, and there will be guys that maybe can't keep going as long, can't stay in an inning as long, uh, get yanked earlier. Maybe teams are way more cautious even early on as they don't know the sort of like compounding effect of having to, to pitch fast in this way. Poor Mark Burley is probably screaming that he was born in the wrong era and could have been, <laughs> he could have been a, he, I mean, he, he was dominant when he played, but um, he would have excelled under this format. So it'll be really interesting what pitchers might be more sort of negatively affect uh, affected here than, than anything else, but uh, it does. I was watching a spring training game like last week, and it was it was it was like a different sport. Just watching it was wild. How quick it was going! Like it would, it felt it felt like when we were playing MLB the Show, and you're just yes. like, all right, next pitch, go, go, next pitch, go. Mm. Um, and so it was it was cool. I, I think it's good. I do think it's overall like a really good thing. But you're right. Like, there's going to be a pitcher that throws that third, third uh, uh, pitch out over to first base and is a ball and scores a run. It's going to be kind of a comedy of errors, I think, for a little bit. I, I think it's really uh, interesting. Like you were saying, like it's watching a different sport. Be and, and and the whole like you know starting the count off one and zero or or one and one because of uh, you know screw ups by you know the the pitcher or the the batter or both is. Um, it's like a pretty novel thing, but it's only gonna get better when you can get more used to it. Um, I'm as much I like the the, the 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 timing element, the whole like disengagement element. You can only step off the rubber like twice, mm -hmm. I think, what in a whole at bat uh, or something like that, um, before you can't, and then it's just like off the races, possibly for the guy on first, he knows he can't be, right. um. Yeah, I can't, you know, throw back again. Um, I, I think a, like a 10% increase, I think, is what I was reading in stolen bases. Um, 
when it was put in the minor leagues or something. Um, and that's and that's by itself, right? Now we have bases that are four point five inches closer together. So we have two two huge like increases in like the stealability or you know, ease of steal. Um, I don't know. I'm 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 kind of excited to see it, honestly. But it also could just kind of go get out of hand. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, Major League Baseball really did everything they could to increase the level of athleticism that's displayed because the you know the and I'll say this as an analytics guys, the analytics in a lot of ways has killed the aesthetic of baseball because. You know that it's it, it's been written about ad nauseum over the past twenty years. If you do not steal a base at a seventy five percent clip, it is a negative expected run value. So teams just told players if you they couldn't do it at that rate, don't run or only run if the pitcher's really mm-hmm. bad. So if someone like you know with Syndergaard or John Lester back in the day, like basically people who had trouble just throwing over, um, and that's what you want to see. Like I, I there's. Such a longing, I think, for like kind of the 1980s, 1970s brand of baseball. Um, and I think this will, will do a little bit to, to bring that back. I think the larger bases will, will also have an impact and also increase, um, you know, player safety. Um, they said that, you know, there was like a decrease of 15% of injuries in terms of, um, uh, you know, plays that happened. You know, at base. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that's good as well. I guess, you know, maybe also just having the visibility of the bases will also be better. It, it kind of feels like almost like a softball sort of thing where they they should have kind of like the safety bag to the right of the line as you're going down. But, um, I mean, how many times have we seen a player, like, break their ankle um, or, or pull something because of, of that situation? So I, I think this was also a really good um, rule change. And then the, the other change that... Um, you know, should also really help, you know, especially left-handed hitters is the shift rule, um, which basically says that you have to have two infielders on both sides of second base. Um, you can't have like, you know, the, the shortstop out in right field. Um, I don't think it eliminates the shift entirely. I think you might see, um, you know, an outfielder come over and play like a rover position more or less, which really increases, you know, the, the risk of, you know, if a player is able to go to the opposite field, they're almost always going to have a triple if some team does that. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that impacts hitting as well. Yeah, I don't have strong feelings about the shift, um, but on the, the bases issue, I think it's what, it's four and a half between first and second and second and third, but it's still a reduction in first and home, right? I think three inches. Um, I don't know. I, I wonder, because that's one of those things that has always been part of the, you know, the, the bang-bang play mm-hmm. at, at first base. It always seemed like 90 feet was, like, the perfect amount for, you know, for some reason, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that three inches is going to have, you know, I am told three inches is that big, but, but yeah, some people... I, <laughs> No, but but seriously, do you think it's going to have any kind of like an impact on the on the you know, running out the ground ball? Like significant? I mean, of course, it'll have a impact, but like significant to the game. I I think there'll be a, a, a modicum of impact um, in terms of the the batting average and balls in play um, because of that. 
like you'll have more infield hits, um, especially for the for the faster players. Um, I think it's you know, it, it, it from the shift perspective, I think that's you know gonna help the, the left-handed hitters most. But um, you know, in terms of it, it, but that was the the other thing that I thought about as well is you know how many times have you seen a th- a third baseman throw someone out just by just in the nick of time and now because of that you know those couple inches um, that it's going to be safe so it even puts you know a higher level of importance on arm strength defensively um, you know just to to continue to be able to make those plays so um, I'll be really curious to see how these rules impact the way that organizations treat their minor league system. Um, I mean, we've seen so many different types of players basically get eliminated um, over the years because of, you know, the, you know, because of analytics and, um, you know, a player, you know, can't do this. So they basically can't play in the field. Um, You know, I I think this will also have uh, a similar impact. Um, And you'll see more increased athleticism. I think is ultimately what you'll see. Yeah, it changes roster construction entirely. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, you know, it, it's one of those things that I wish uh, was in place in 2015 and then Kyle Schwarber would still be a Chicago Cub and probably be cementing his place in the Hall of Fame. But, you know. Yeah, it's really it's a shame that, that people can't just buy $20 Kyle Schwarber <laughs> off me. I... Don't understand why I can't trade him to anyone. He just had like a 540-point season, but you, know, you would think that I'm trying to sell him Cal Quantrill or something. Um, <laughs> for fuck's sake. Um, yeah. So anyway, there's a, a quick recap of the, the rules um, that have changed both in our Fantasy League and Major League Baseball. Let's actually get into the offseason. We're 42 minutes in. Um, and I'm hoping this pod will be something that folks listen to, like, on their flight. So um, I'm sure a little length um, will be welcomed, um, hopefully more than three inches. But, um, Tim, you had mentioned um, a couple weeks ago when we were talking that you and Jack kind of disagreed about how good of an offseason I think Jack had had. And I'm just kind of curious to get your take as well as his take on – like how you think his his offseason is done. Because I feel pretty strongly one way or the other about it, but I, I kind of want to – I just want to hear thoughts. Well, I think – to be fair to Jack, I, I think I made that a little bit more off the cuff than I did uh, deep in my research in the offseason. And I forgot Jack had made – like he actually made some of these trades, which, I, which is interesting to me, like – uh, Vinny Pascatino, you know, I, I think is nice. Uh, the upside's there, great. Um, no problem. But, like, I don't know. Would I have allocated effectively $21 into him right now? Eh, maybe. I don't know. I felt like Jack had, before all of these trades, he still had plenty of options in terms of his roster. And now he's, like, added in an incredible assortment of $6 players and, and ultimately <laughs> relatively cheap players. They're like, he's got no room for it. He's got like, I wouldn't say no room, but like if he wants to keep all of them, he can, but it, it is his roster at this point. So, um, you know, it's, it's the perk of not having like an expensive uh, type player, but um, 
it's it's so good. It's still a good team. He's going to be good. Um, but I was just like, you know, I was trying to to uh, take some of those cheap scraps off of him, and he was like, no, I'm keeping all of them. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're keeping all of them. Um, but I think it was just it's just a fundamental also like team building philosophy, right? Do you just want to get assets? And because you've determined they're good assets, so fuck the auction, who cares? Um, versus I would probably be more of the type, even though I keep a bunch of mine, given my current team situation. I was going to say, you've got a lot of cheap guys. I do, but I, I would prefer, broadly speaking, like if I were in Jack shoes, I would rather prefer flexibility. And I would rather throw some guys back or work up on a, on a top thing, on a you know, sort of upper end type asset than a sort of, uh, I'm using uh, Pascatino here because that's just my personal opinion. Pascatino, I think, I think he's he's good and, and could project to be great, but um, I don't know that he's like making the difference on the team this year per se. Um, if he gets 480 points, I think that's a huge bonus, but um, we'll see. So I was like, I wouldn't I wouldn't have done those things. Uh, I would have rather uh, waited that. So I think it's just a, a sort of team building philosophy. Um, because I, I, my personal belief is I think what what is happening or what is trending in the points league is in the auction draft, uh, players are becoming more stratified and in terms of their costs. And so uh, you're getting $150 Corbin Burns, $140 Garrett Cole, and that money that's getting spent on them creates a vacuum on the other um, for opportunities. And that a guy that maybe should go for $22 goes for 12 and the guy that should go for $12 goes for four. Um, so it's just about where you think you can provide value, of course. Um, it, it's all, of course, you know, a fool's errand. We're all trying to predict value for a week 13 matchup, August 1st through 8th. And that's kind of a, a dumb thing to do right now, but that's what we're thinking about. Cool. The Royal League. <laughs> Jack. So I'm just going to run through all of Jack's <laughs> trades real quick, and then Jack, kind of tell us your kind of uh-huh. thoughts on, on why. So the first trade... I'd like, was... like to first uh, um, stop right there, Sean, okay. and say the first trade was not a trade I made this offseason. The first trade oh. that you have in your offseason <laughs> You're right. is a trade that I made in the <laughs> last season. And now I have some comments to make, Mr. Mr. Sean Murphy. Now, you, you seem to have a problem in the law enforcement area of this of this trading system um every other trade that i i want to make goes through you and you go to your little excel sheet and it's very organized and very easily uh you know understand what's going on you know move things here and there and you do that with with such uh precision and accuracy um with any other trade but when it comes to a delayed action you don't know how uh, you, you're unwilling to move those same Excel squares the same way. And I'm, I'm not sure why you're so unwilling, uh, Sean, to enforce a, a, a consenting trade between trade partners. So my concern is the opportunity for people to basically load up other teams cheap like super cheaply like basically cutting the market but but basically i don't want to say cheating but kind of like that 
is my concern. That it opens the door for that. That is that that is the reservation that I have, and I probably did a better job articulating it on the Vanderpool mm-hmm. podcast. Um, I'm trying to remember the the words I had in mind. Um, okay, for but that. but but suffice to say, it's the it's it's like that. It's not. It's less about like you you have some kind of principled policy for only you know allowing people to do trades that all you know happen at that moment. It's it's more like you don't like the consequences it might have. Well, yeah. So like, there's the risk. So in like that particular trade, so we're talking about Riley Green to VJ in exchange for Alec Manoa. Um, you know, the concern there is you know you make this trade and then Alec Manoa blows out his arm. Well, then then what happens? So like, and I can't. So especially because that happened in season, you can do whatever you want with the app at that point in time. I can't enforce people to make that trade back because we don't have any we don't have any uh judicial review i don't know like case law to put that in play it's it's a matter it's a matter of like okay on january 1st sean murphy can go into his excel spreadsheet and like shift over the player like i don't know what you mean about like it sounds like you're making it more complicated than it needs to be well, then I'm also keeping a log of backdated trades that, that go into effect. And I'm trying to take myself really out of it as mm-hmm. much as I can. Like, okay. I don't want to be involved in that. Um, okay. So, like, that's another piece of it. Um, but my, my worry is more something teetering on collusion um, than really anything else. Which I know in your case and what you did... That was not what was intended. Like, and in all sincerity, sure, sure, sure. on some level, as long as there's parameters around like this type of trade, I'm in favor of it because I think it's, I, I think it's cool. It's kind of like the European soccer idea, that sort of thing, where you're loaning someone out, you're getting some money, you get a little bit, but you get to keep the asset um, moving forward. So I like, I like that. I just wish there were some stipulations around the the money that's involved. Um, so that that's really my only anyway issue back thing. to your original question about the like you know the the trade um i don't view that as like i, I view riley green as collateral being returned or you know the end of alex manila's lease so to speak <laughs> uh so i mean you can compare the value of those two players but it was just like a convenience thing okay cool um, so, but tell us about the, I guess the real trades, if you will, that you've made this off season. So like the, the next one or the first one, I guess, depending on how you look at it, Matt trades, Michael Harris and Nestor Cortez to Jack in exchange for Zach Gallen. Um, the second one was the one that Tim mentioned, which was Vinny Pascantino in exchange for $15. And then the last one was VJ trade Shane Bieber to Jack in exchange for Jonathan India, Mackenzie Gore and $40. So you were a very active uh, manager this offseason, um, really kind of reshaping your, your keepers. Um, you, know, what were, you know, what were sort of the, you know, the reasons that, that you wanted to acquire these players and, and let go of some, some you know, pretty quality player in Zach Gallen in that, in that trade? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I, I started getting uh, concerned. Well, first of all, William really is i got i got a problem with him got some got some beef to suck this off all right um 
you know, my years here philosophy or, you know, lifestyle has been um, maybe when pitchers and catchers report, we'll start thinking about, you know, fantasy baseball because we have fit to do in our lives. But but someone has to spend $135 for two pitchers within like what, like a week of the, 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 the you know, season opening. So um, that started off a flurry of activity and I felt compelled to do something because that was the position I put myself into in the off season. I needed to make some moves. I, you know, uh, sold some assets off to, to get some money during the last season. It was a painful decision, but I was trying to reap some of the benefits. Now, um, I thought I went off to some pretty big targets. You know, Tim, you made some fair, you know, I, I, I think it's pretty harsh to lead off this whole segment with like a really, like, you know, intense criticism of my of my off season. But fair, fair, fair points, uh, Tim. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You 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 take things day by day. You know, when you're me, and when you when you're like trying to figure out your baseball roster in you know the middle of January. Um, yeah, I feel like I was looking after some big, big targets that just were. VJ was not budging. Honestly, you know, let's start there. VJ was not budging on some really uh, key six dollar assets. Um, that I was going to spend a lot of money for, so much money for. But but you know, it's not January anymore. And suddenly it's February, and and the world is different. But um, because I couldn't get certain people to budge. Um, I, I did feel like making some moves. You know, I I think I overvalue certain six-dollar players. I do have a lot of... I kind of went on, okay, at the end of last season. Oh, I yeah, just, there I just said, Come back around. Come back around. Well, you know, you, you made a lot of points, Tim. I feel like I have to address, but one of them is that, yeah, you know, at the end of last season, I was trying to be really strategic for... You know, the offseason put myself in a good position, which was load up on any, like, Ty O'Neill, bang, you know, mm-hmm. just, like, get on my roster. <laughs> Players that, like, you know, yeah, $6, you could be valuable. Let's, let's you know, let's do it um, as much as I could. So, um, well, that put me in the position of, like, well, can't keep all these people. So, you know, that's why I got rid of a couple to VJ later on and the uh, you know, Bieber trade. Um, I would have liked to keep Mackenzie Gore, but yeah, he's been pitching like shit. Maybe he'll revitalize in, you know, Washington. Maybe not. But uh, yeah, um, it's a lot of it's a lot of you know lottery tickets, I guess. Um, but yeah, I can't keep them all. <sighs> Pasquatino, in hindsight, yeah, with the Bieber trade, eighteen dollar Bieber, that really you know. Part of what I told VJ was there's an opportunity cost here. I'm not gonna, you know, I might have given you a hundred bucks for Bieber before I, you know, pay for Pasquatino, and I guess that's a sunk cost right now. So I'm, I'm only giving you, you know, forty bucks. And sorry about you, man. I, I <laughs> but hey, um, that was the position I was in. So would I have traded for Pasquatino after Bieber? No. Um, but yeah, now I have a decision to make, you know, him versus some other talent. And now that I heard uh, Mike Clevenger is off the hook, 
That's uh, that's ten dollars right there. Hey, Adam, let's talk, buddy. What are you doing, man? <laughs> um, but that's that's another subject. Um, but yeah, no, I felt like you got a good good bargain on Bieber. Um, I you know, okay, Gallon versus Harrison Cortez. Um, Johnny told me I disappointed him. More, it was more like implied. It was more like. It wasn't the best, buddy. <laughs> this was after the Beaver trade, so I think he felt like, okay, you're, you know, <laughs> at least you got that. You know, now I can tell you how I really feel about you giving up the hour, which is what the hell were you thinking? But I don't know. I saved cap space getting two guys who, Cortez, I think we had a lot of innings and pitches really well. Um, and Michael Harris is already tearing up in the spring training. So I think him at six bucks has a lot of potential there. He could be the next, you know, I don't know. We'll see. You know, he's young. All right. Um, Pass potato again, regret. So let me ask both of you. So, Jack, if you were to give yourself a grade, you know, A, B, C, what would you give yourself for the offseason? I think like B plus, A minus. Okay. Tim, what would you give Jack? Uh, B. Okay. Maybe B plus. I mean, I love, love Michael Harris. Um, so I, I, I mean, I like that deal in a vacuum, but at the same time, I mean, Jack, you got, you have $341 and, uh, you can drop that on two players and that's certainly a strategy. Uh, so we'll see how you see what you kind of do at auction, but, um, man, I would have taken that money. And yeah, I get it. If you're, if you're trying to hassle BJ on like, uh, I don't know, like he's, he's not trading Julio Rodriguez, but like. Even if you're trying to get Riley Green or uh, somebody else from him, and I, I get that uh, you just weren't getting the, the response you wanted to, to allocate that capital towards. But, uh, yeah, your choice. Cool. <laughs> All right. So I finally get to talk. Uh, Jack, if I were to give you a grade for this offseason, I would give you an A. I have you winning the offseason compared to everyone else. I thought these deals were fantastic. I completely disagree with everything that's been said about Vinny Pascantino. His floor is 480 points, in my opinion, and if you told me that he could hit Vlad Jr.'s numbers from last season, I'll believe it. So if you if you release Vinny Pascantino, I'll be all over that shit on Saturday. Um, in terms of the Harris for Cortez, twenty fifth best player in fantasy. I yeah. 480 is like it was 28. That's like uh, Jose Abreu numbers. That's Julio Rodriguez had 480 last year. Yeah, no, 480 isn't bad. That's how much I think of Vinny Passantino. I think he can hit 480, and I think that's the, I, I think I think his 50th percentile outcome. I shouldn't say the floor. I think his 50th percentile outcome is 480 points this season. I think he doesn't strike out. He hits the ball for power. He's going to hit in the middle of the order. They're not going to take him out. Um, he he's going to have Bobby Wood Jr. Tim's boy hitting in front of him. Let's go. Uh, I I think Pascantino is a really good player. It's a really good asset to have. I thought you got him for cheap. I didn't love the fact that this trade happened because I knew it meant Vanderpool was going to make another deal. Um, but I, I'm a big fan of Pascantino. I thought it was a really good deal. I thought the Harris for Cortez in exchange for Gallon was a good deal for both of you. I liked it a little bit more for Matt, but I thought it was appropriate given your roster construction for you to divest of a player like Zach Gallon to get a pitcher like Nestor Cortez that provides some 
budget relief. He's very good. And if you told me that Nestor Cortez went out and had a better season than Zach Gallon, I wouldn't be stunned, just given that one place for the Yankees and the other one place for the Diamondbacks. Um, I, I, I think he's a really good player. I don't think, you know, I, I view Zach Gallon as probably a top 15 pitcher. Nestor Cortez is probably top 25. And Michael Harris is, you know, I, I think he's a solid outfield number two. I think he's going to put up, you know, Randy Arozarena um, type numbers. And all of the rule changes that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast favor a player like Michael Harris. He's left-handed. He hits the ball on the ground. Uh, you know, the bases are bigger. So his batting average and balls in play should go up. Um, diminished velocity, you know, maybe he hits a few more home runs. He plays on one of the best offenses in baseball. I thought that was a really good player to, uh, to acquire. And then you just absolutely fleeced VJ for Shane Bieber. I mean, what you did is a crime in all 50 states and here in Ontario. Um, that was murder, dude. Um, I, I don't know how to put it any other way. So I, I have you winning the, the, the offseason. Um, and I also, uh, you mentioned Arena. I, I traded for him, too. I don't know. That didn't make it on your list. Yeah, I, I think I'm missing a, uh, a trade or two on this list. But, um, yeah, so this was, I, I have this off the commissioner notes, but it is, everything is reflected in the spreadsheet. Um, right. But, um, yeah, I, I thought you crushed it. Um, I thought it was probably the best offseason you've ever had. And, um, yeah, well done. Well, gee whiz, that's uh, high praise. Uh, you can only imagine yeah. how, how much I just had to bite my tongue while I was listening to both of you. <laughs> uh, I could see your discomfort. Yes. I could see it in your face. Um, I, I, I mean... Fifty percent outcome, I think, is is a is a stretch, but we'll see. We'll see how he does. I mean, he, I I think he's good. We'll see, but I just wouldn't have done it. But that's me. Can we talk about Tim's off season now? Yeah. Sure. Let's talk about the one trade. I made. Well, before yeah. we even talk what about the the, the 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 hater Martinez for for Darvish deal, talk about everything that led up to that. Um, it it is well circulated. That you had a deal in place with Habby at the very beginning of January. We we hit the a good tent uh, you know sort of tent poles of a of a trade for uh, Mookie Betts. Uh, I was I am a avid reader of the Art of the Deal by Donald J Trump, and so I was pushing for more money. Um, he was not willing to go there, and admittedly, if if. Uh, Given what he got Acuna for, um, I was asking for more than that, so I would have made the same thing he did and said, well, fuck, I don't get it. All right, fine, I'm going to get Acuna for, for uh, whatever it was. Um, I get it, but um, I was holding out. I'm, I'm doing a very, admittedly, what I think is a very unlikely thing to happen, which is where I'm going to just try to win with the money that I have and the lotto tickets that I have. Um but it, it's going to be very tough. I, I don't really want to tank out um, for in, in the off season. I'm more willing to do it in season. Um, uh, but I also was not willing to sort of buy or shift assets in a way that didn't seem to make a, a significant difference in my win probability. Um, so the Darvish deal was just sort of a, I would like to keep my sort of uh, lower cost lotto tickets around, and that 
that shifted one lotto t- in my, my, my mind, one lotto ticket in Darvish into two into Hader and Martinez. I, you have the great points about Hader. I think that's totally true. I could absolutely be dropping Hader come May 15th. Like, um, that's totally a scenario there. I'm more bullish on J.D. Martinez, but, um, you know, that's just more of a, a lineup and situation than anything else. Uh, and it, then it allowed me to, to do some other things. But I will, I will do this. Um, reincarnating the live deal that you did with Matt, nice swing there, Sean. Can, oh. can I interest you? I don't know what I would have to interest you, but I am interested in Byron Buxton. Is there oh, yeah. a, a selling opportunity for Byron Buxton that we could do live here and then uh, Jack could give a live grade? Whew. Oh my god, guys. Wow. Talk about just springing stuff on me. I, I definitely hadn't considered selling Byron Buxton, who's priced at seven dollars. Um, yeah. What um what what <laughs> what are you uh what do you so what do you think? This fucks your whole agenda, doesn't it? Yeah, it really fucks things up. <laughs> um I can't promise you that I'm gonna do a deal because he fits very neatly into my keepers. Um, does. but, uh, I, I'm always willing to listen. So, so what are your thoughts? You know, I don't, I don't have much. Um, I could make some small cash, uh, but like, I'm not sure how much cash is your interest. Um, you're kind of sitting middle of the road there, you know, there's 252. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not sure, you know, whatever I could even offer in cash is a difference maker for you. Um, I'm not sure how you feel about playing like a player's in cash, right? So like, I think I think a Reese Hoskins at five dollars is a is a nice sort of substitute good. No, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> not that. No, I don't mind Reese. It's just so here's the thing about about Byron Buxton. Uh, yeah. I look at Byron Buxton and I see a player that's probably not going to play more than 120 games, but when he is playing in those games, he's probably going to be a top ten outfielder. Um, on a on a week to week basis, I mean, if you combine his twenty twenty two and twenty twenty one and put that into one full season or prorate that over six hundred plate appearances, you're talking pretty much the same as uh, Mookie Betts um, for seven bucks. Yeah. Um, so I'm yeah, that's a big part of my interest. I'm yeah, glad you see that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that was part of the reason I bought Buxton last year from Matt was because. Yeah. He's really good when he's in there. He's just not going to be in there all the time, so you have to be able to adjust, which I feel pretty comfortable doing. Okay. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know if there's really going to be an option because you don't like much my players. Or, or players that I'm not – like, I'm not going to trade Bobby Witt for him or anything or, like – We could do that, too. Um, or Shane McClanahan or Chris Javier. Those are, those are, those are pretty much cool for me. But Those would be okay. – those would get the deal done. I'll, I'll just yeah, say that. Yeah, they would. Um, but I'll pass on that. Okay, never mind. Sorry for the wrecking the agenda here, but um, I w- I've been interested. You know, I think about this a Got lot. My heart uh, fluttering in the fantasy baseball realm of like the players we used to have, like the the ex girlfriends past that maybe you know <laughs> you miss like a little thing about them. But you know, it was it was a great time having Byron Buxton and then flipping him for Chris Bryant from Habby. And Chris Bryant winning MVP, that was fantastic. Byron Buxton couldn't get the DL, couldn't even get out of AAA for a hot second there. 
but I kind of want to come back to it, and it just may not be may not be right. But uh, I do I do miss some guys. I look at them on other players' teams, and man, man, if only if only it could have been right. Tim, I just traded for Shane Bieber, who was my biggest white whale for. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's the wrong. Thing. What, what what are you what are you doing there, Sean? You gesture or something? Well, you traded him to me. Yeah, I know that. I know, and it's it's not a good memory, but you know what? I've I've gotten over the like hurt feelings portion. It's now just like acceptance. Um, but but now that he's back, we've moved to reconciliation, and it's really like a big moment for us. You know, the funny thing about that Jack is I never really got to fully appreciate him because. The one, the year that I got him, I was bad. That was like 2019, and then COVID hit, and we had the redraft, so I didn't have him then. And then the year 2021, where I had him and I won, he was actually out like half the year. He pitched like three innings against Tim actually in the championship. That was like the first time he had pitched since like the middle of June. So like, if it's any consolation, he never really did a whole hell of a lot for me. Um, other than get the return, the the deal that I made with VJ last year for Kyle Tucker and Shane Bieber for $170 and Bryce Harper. Um, so I, 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 I can mostly only thank Shane Bieber for being uh, in, an easy liquidation for me um, prior to last season. Well, I mean, there is... I'm, I'm glad that I guess it, he didn't help you. Um, <laughs> it does make you feel better. Thanks, Sean. Good. Good. I'm glad you feel better. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, okay. So we talked. So, Tim, so we, we kind of talked about the, the Darvish deal. Um, was there anyone else that approached you for Darvish? Uh, no, um, I've kind of thrown it around as a, a tantalizing option, um, but not many people were interested at, at uh, what is $19 that he keeps at. Yes. Um, I, I think a lot of people, much like me, were kind of afraid of, you know, he's, he's pretty good, but he got a lot of innings on him. He's like 37 now. Yes. Um, he was still pretty good in terms of velocity. In fact, I actually think like, Late summer, his velocity even like picked up. Um, I could be totally wrong on that, but um, so I, I still think he's certainly a very good, very good pitcher, very good player. Um, but where I was situated, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense for me to keep a $19 Darvish, unless I was kind of doing a quasi tank and then basically was going to trade him and Mookie Betts and everybody else, you know, four weeks into the year. Um, just to keep the, the asset going. But um, I, I tried to convert one lottery ticket into two. That was, that was effectively my thinking. Gotcha. If you were to guess off the top of your head how many points you Darvish scored last year, what would you guess? It was really good for a while. Fuck. 290. He scored 424 points. 424 points Oh, fuck me. So oh, right in between know. Dylan Cease and Alec Manoa. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seventh best in our league. 
That was a lot better than I remember it. (laughs) 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 If we're just being quite honest, that's a lot better than what I remember in the moment feeling about him. (laughs) It was, I will say this, it was the only trade that occurred this offseason where I was annoyed um, for any period of time. Well, to be fair, I think Tim was thinking of like, Pretty recent other season trade Darish where he yeah you know, he has been he didn't that. perform at that same level and uh, I don't know what next season's gonna bring you know it's you know nothing guaranteed with with uh, fishing especially I will tell you one team that thought he'll age pretty well and that is the San Diego Padres who extended him through his age forty like forty one season insane yeah insane. I did think that was pretty crazy. Um, he's actually yeah, that's not like a... Yeah, he's 37. Yeah. He is someone that you would kind of expect to age well, um, just given how he keeps his body and the movement on his pitches still. But we'll see. Not going to lie. So just to, to cut to the chase, I, I've, I there's almost no situation in which I don't have Scott Vanderpool winning the league this year. So if, if Darvish blows out his arm or something, I'm not going to be upset about it. Um... But but that trade, in conjunction with the Pascantino deal, really set him up nicely um, for this season. And he still has more money than anyone else by $127. Um, I mean, it, this, is, this is definitely the year that Scott Vanderpool should win the title. He's had other years in which he should win the title, so it's, it's just whether or not he doesn't choke this year um, is, is the way that I, I look at it. But... Um, he is, he is in a tier by himself, um, going into the auction and, and there's, there's really no conceivable way he messes up the auction. I think at this point, like he's going to spend that money. Um, speaking of players who he'll probably bid on, we'll skip the Garrett Cole one. Cause I think Tim already answered that one, but I'm just curious if, if Aaron judge gets thrown back, we had a pretty wide um, range of answers in terms of what you think he'll go for. Uh, Tim, what do you think he'll go for? I, I mean, I have talked 80 to $90 on that poll. I was... This is where you and I are on a similar agreement in terms of valuation yes. of where he ends up. Yeah, that, that, was, that was my selection as well. There were a few people who said above 100. There were a few people who said below... 70, which I think is crazy. Um, he's definitely going to go for above $70. Um, there's, I, I just really can't see it um, any other way. Jack, what do you think? Yeah, that sounds about right. I feel what I said on the, on the actual poll. But um, no, I mean, I think um, values for, for hitters are um, going up, I think. Pitchers kind of spiked little bit earlier you know in our in our you know, the evolution of our league and like how we evaluate players i mean you saw that Taddy spent 80 bucks for soto who keeps her what like, i think 18 yes is that more or less okay so Correct. um you know that's a 98 dollar player right there i think judge is gonna perform you know Comparably, I know it's you know different calculus because that's got some like keeper value baked into that, but um, still, I mean that's 
a top, I mean, Judge is easily top 10 outfielder, you know, points earner next season, or batting, I, I think, overall, probably. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that sounds about right. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, um, I, I obviously don't think he's going to score the 785 points that he scored last season, which was a record for the league in the 11-year history. I mean, he crushed whatever the old record was, which I think was Jose Ramirez. I mean, 785 points is just insane. For for context, um, the player who scored second in terms of all batters um, last year was Jose Ramirez, and he scored 636 points. So Aaron Judge outscored the number two overall scorer by 150 points last year, um, which is insane. You know, it... With him, I think it just depends on the health. Can he stay healthy? I don't know that he'll make a run, you know, at 60 again. But if he hits 53, I wouldn't be stunned um, and puts up, you know, a 650-point season. I think he'd be very happy with that, spending, you know, 90 to $105 on. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, I, I did kind of um, throw in here um, kind of the, the change over the course of the offseason in which we saw Habby go from number one at just under $500 um, down to $348. I, I think this is an interesting auction for him. I think there's probably more pressure on him than there is anyone else, um, especially after making the, the trade of um, particularly George Kirby um, for uh, Kyle Tucker. He has some pretty expensive keepers in part because of the Soto and Acuna trades. Um, so he's going to have to draft a lot of guys in auction. Like I only have him keeping like six players um, and they're all studs um, for, for what it's worth. But with $348, he's going to have to be very efficient um, acquiring. And he's probably going to have to put a lot of that money into pitching. I'm just curious to see if he goes top heavy and makes a run at, at Burns or Cole, or if he tries to play kind of that vacuum that Tim was talking about and maybe go for more of a, you know, your Clayton Kershaw type, maybe your Chris Bassett, um, you know, Charlie Morton, someone like that, um, and, and build his roster that way. What would you guys do if you were in Andrew's shoes? I mean, I think he has to. I mean, maybe this isn't super hard, but... He, he has to get one of Burns or Cole. He, I mean, to some degree, if, if Vandy wants them, Vandy wants them, so his, his, yeah. his dick will go between his legs. He's got fuck you, man. There's no getting um, around that. <laughs> which is just true. But, like, he's going to need that very, very top-end pitcher to have and to have on a two-start week to get 51 points combined on two starts, like, that that is uh, that's going to be huge, and he, it, it will be wasted if he spends it on on players that cost no more than ninety dollars. You know, um, trying to run a sort of like uh, consistency uh, type of a strategy where he just has a lot of really good players, and he's never scoring less than like three a week or something like that. Um, I, I think we we've all realized that. That that's helpful. Um, you you got to make the playoffs to win the fucking title. Um, but at the same time, the league diverts halfway through the year. Um, it yeah. splits, and you can 
as and Rob Crabby could tell any well, he's too dumb to know it. Yeah, Tim got cut off there, but I think it's safe to say that Rob's gonna be really annoyed if we don't talk about him more in this <laughs> podcast. So natural sure transition. I would I I would I would be trying to fight for that that, that top end uh, type of a player. Gotcha. Um, you did you cut out there for a moment, but I, I think what you said was you you want to go for the top end pitching and then kind of fill in with you know your higher. Yeah, I would just go for top end because I, I think you can fill in. You can fill in via trades. Yeah. You can fill in via the waiver wire. Lots of other opportunities to fill in a middle tier type of a player. And in the draft and in the off season, I think it's it's about acquiring assets or talent that can get. Upper, upper, upper end points. I agree. Seems to be a theme in your uh, advice there, Tim. Tim's a star fucker. I don't know that there's any way to get around that. Like he just wants he just wants stars, but he's his roster is littered with like slightly profitable players. Um, I wanted to ask actually, Tim, just kind of diverting away from what we were talking about. Are you keeping Mookie Betts, or are you you gonna go with? No, I'm gonna keep him. Okay. All right. So you're throwing a lot of guys no, back. Um, yeah, a good number. Um, a lot of guys that maybe like could be kept, but I will, I will, I will be keeping Mookie Betts because he becomes instantly like if I if I don't if it doesn't work out for me in the first month, he becomes he becomes instantly like one of the best trade pieces out there. So that's in a way more valuable than throwing him back in thirty two extra dollars to spend at auction. Gotcha. This is one of my favorite things to do with this keeper tool is to just kind of guess who the fuck is getting kept by everyone in the league. Let's see here. Some Christian Hot. Let me know when I get it wrong. You're gonna keep JD Martinez. You're gonna keep Josh Hader. We're at sixty-four dollars yep. now. Yep. You're gonna keep Shane McClanahan. That's a big one. So we got sixteen bucks left. Uh, God. Uh, Jack, do you see anyone that, that pops out? I don't know what you're doing with Aaron Ashby. Like he's a tricky. He is. I don't. I I I I want to keep Aaron Ashby, but I don't think I can afford to sort of ride out the first few months of whatever the fuck he's going through, um, to get there. So I I would doubt that I would keep. A dust or, or crone. Who? In crone? Be, no crone. Adam, yeah, no crone or Willie Adamas. Unlikely. I, I mean, I like Willie Adamas, but given this scenario, I'd, I'd rather keep like the $5 Reese Hoskins, $4 Tyler McGill than those two. It's, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then you got a $7 player in here somewhere, I think. Uh, not really. I've got other sixes. Um, oh. Yeah, if I wonder, since he is, I don't know. We'll see. I could go Ian Hamm. Uh, you know, I, I do. I think I will keep Tyler Anderson. Um, oh, Tyler yeah. Anderson is a sneaky, yeah. very steady, very steady uh, starting pitcher. So, um, well, we'll see. That's probably a much more likely scenario where you're at here. Whereas, whereas I was like, okay, well, if I can. If I get rid of Reese Hoskins or and maybe Dominguez, then I could flip that for Byron Buxton, but you shot that down. Sorry to do it, man. Just uh, 
<laughs> there's a ceiling there that, that I don't think Reese has that, that Byron does that he's unlikely to reach, but we're gonna we're gonna roll that dice anyway. I had a I had an MVP bet on Byron Buxton going into last season. And then that got Oh boy. Shot the shit. I, it was like it was like ten bucks. It's like whatever. Um Let's see. We can do this with Jack. We'll do it with me too. I think I'm pretty easy, but let's see. We're keeping Manoa. We're gonna keep Bo Bichette. I'm sure this is riveting podcast material. Um <laughs> We're gonna keep Michael Harris. We're gonna keep Shane Bieber. Vinny Pascatino. We're gonna keep Vinny P. I was hoping you weren't going to say him. Um, Sorry. Being a little coy over here. We're going to keep Nessie. We're going to keep... Did you keep in Saya? Um, I mean, that would be... Have you known his biceps? That was the original plan, at least. Yeah. Throw him in there. All right. And you got one $6 player. There's Clevy, uh, Tyler O'Neill. It's 90. Yeah, to be honest with you, the Clevenger news um, kind of threw a wrench in the things because I had not accounted for. I certainly want to keep him if he's uh, you know, going to be available all season. I don't know. I gotta give some thought to this. Oh, wow, he's tougher because uh, he's ten bucks. I, I could. Oh, right, exactly. Um, but still, very suitable price, just not under my present circumstances. So, Mister Witten, um, <laughs> hey, let's talk. Let's talk. Yeah, I will probably. I'll probably put this out sometime tomorrow. I have no idea if Adam listens to the pod. I would think he would maybe give it a listen on his flight. But um, we'll see. But will he get to one hour and 30 minutes in? I don't know. Who the fuck knows? I would bet not. Um, zero chance Adam has that kind of stamina. No way. <laughs> if the first 40 minutes didn't bore the shit out of him, I don't know what will. Um, <laughs> anyway, we'll do me. Let's see if you can guess who I'm keeping. We'll box them. That's kind of a freebie. Yeah. Are they Woodruff? Orber. Framber. Framber? You keep it Framber? I'm keeping Framber. Yep. I am not keeping Kyle Schwarber. Why aren't you keeping Kyle Schwarber? You've been telling me how good he is all offseason. He is the premier hitter of the Phillies. Uh, maybe, no, no, maybe top three. Well, so, I mean, while, while Harper's out, I mean, he's, he's probably second. He of the... Yeah. You know what Kyle Schwarber finished in outfield scoring last year? Fourth. Scored five That's less right. points than Jordan Alvarez, and I can't sell. He scored more than Kyle Tucker, and I can't fucking sell him. Unbelievable. Nobody thinks he's gonna hit forty-six bombs again, Sean. I mean, he might hit fifty. He probably he's left-handed. Those shift rules helped him. He might be good, but he might hit thirty-seven. It's suddenly a lot, lot less of an opportunity there. Yes, he could hit less. He could hit fewer. I can't. I can't argue that. I. So he just doesn't really fit the model of what of, of how I construct this. Uh, Sandy. We're keeping Sandy. You're not. You're. You're not letting him go for a billion dollars. It would cost a lot of money. Cost a lot of Bobby Wits to get Sandy. 
Dalton Varsha. <laughs> Dalton Varsha, very good. Who's keeping catcher eligibility. That's nice. But for how long? Fair question. Are you gonna keep you're gonna keep Otani? I'm gonna keep Shohei Otani, yeah, I'm gonna keep Shohei Otani, the pitcher, the guy who's really good. He's gonna pitch once uh eight days. <laughs> and what Wheeler? And Wheeler. And Jordan Walker. Yeah. Oh. So there you go. There there are my keepers. Yes. Shohei Otani, who finished with 397 and a half points, just a half point less than Zach Allen. Yeah. He was really good last year, but we'll yeah. see. I wonder how much he pitches. Yeah, that's that'll be the interesting thing. Like they say he's gonna pitch more. Man. They really gotta get a deal done with him. He doesn't seem to really want to have, be in a deal. He just wants to I, I think he's gonna be a Dodger. I think he's. I think he's gonna go to the other side of LA. At- I mean, he has to, but like, damn, if I were him, I wouldn't be. I would just be so careful about pitching before getting my billion dollar contract. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say half billion dollars is about right um, for him. So yes, I'll be throwing back Kyle Schwarber and Manny Machado unless I can get Adam Witten. To agree to a deal, which I'm sure as everyone is listening is super annoyed with Adam. And I can't wait to see him on Friday because he is not going to hear the end of us bitching about the fact that he will not return our text messages. I'd probably take a text message about Adam not responding once every 10 days. <laughs> it's true. Like to tell on him? Yeah, they're like, <laughs> Witten won't respond. We try to get him involved in this three-way deal, and he won't. He just won't even respond. I've sent him so many like text messages. I even said on the last podcast, I was like, I don't even get offended anymore when you don't respond to my text, which he got like all irritated about. And I was like, wait, you don't respond? Like what? Like I have to use pictures to get you to even look. <laughs> I'm not even new to I bet about him $10 to respond to a Garrett Coltrade offer last year. It, yes. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, I think you overpaid on that trade, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Johnny was the one who got him. I was annoyed. Like, because I felt, well, and we've been at this, we've talked about this ad nauseum, that I thought that Garrett Cole probably should have ended up with Tim. Um, but... Whatever. We won't go down that, that rabbit hole again. Um, I, I do... I, I was thinking about this earlier just because I knew we would end up talking about Adam. But, like, I'm just, like, envisioning Adam over, like, the next 48 hours. Just, like, like turning to Allie and his kids and, like, you know, looking at them in the house of winners and being, like... Am I, am I really like them? And then, like, having this, like, epiphany in which he, like, goes, like, sea biscuit on the lid... And just eats up all of the existing values that exist. And just, you know, just churning equities, like, all over the, the league. And just running it up in our faces. Um, you know, like some, like, genius kid. But that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Sometimes I do imagine Witten uh, as Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, yeah, basically, exactly. <laughs> like, what's, the, what's the movie that... Bradley Cooper does that drug that like turns your brain into yeah, right. supercomputer. Like, 
Yeah, Limitless. Imagine Witten taking a Limitless drug, and then all of a sudden he's got, like, Russell Crowe numbers with the gifts just oh flying God. around, and he's making deals. That would be great. I would... I would love it. And like he just he hits the accept button to all these deals at the same time and just floods <laughs> it. It's not even like a trickle, it's just all at once and he's just played everyone against each other. It'd be like the most amazing thing ever. It's really too bad Adam's not gonna hear any of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'll have no idea. But um let's see. We have been going for an hour and 35 minutes. Um, there any other people that you wanted to, to mention real quick? Um, I, I exp- I'll just kind of mention, I expect to have my retrospective finished once I receive all of the keepers. Um, it is 16 pages as of this moment, just chronicling all of the trades. Um, I mentioned, I think earlier, I wrote like a page and a half on the, uh, the Gallon, Cortez, and Harris deal, um, which I thought was great for both sides. I, I, had, I, I mentioned that I had Jack winning the offseason. I had him narrowly beating Matt Nicewinger um, for offseason um, or best offseason. We lost some Jack. <laughs> um, did you hear what I said? No. Um, sometimes it's just me talking to myself on this podcast, even when I've got two co-hosts. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, so just reading faces right now. Can you hear me? Yep. No, no, yeah, no, we can. Okay. So what I said was I had Jack narrowly, uh, edging out Matt Nicewinger for off season or best off season. Um, so, uh, anyway, that, that'll be out uh, probably in the evening on Wednesday. Something else for people to do while they're in a plane. Um, it, any, any thoughts on, on Tom Kaiser's offseason? Um, I thought he, kind of under the radar, I would say, had a pretty good offseason. Um, traded away Luis Robert, 30 bucks to Rob for Luis Castillo. He also got, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he got one other player. Um, of note, he got Joe Ryan, and then Logan Webb. And Logan Webb, Logan Webb was the other one, yeah. Um, which I thought was a good deal. I think Logan Webb's are just a really reliable pitcher to have on your staff. So I thought I thought Tom did a good job. He won't get any accolades or compliments from me in the in the retrospective, really. But um, I did think he had a he had a pretty good off season. Um, something we don't talk about a whole hell of a lot. Um, Hopefully we'll get him on the pod at some point this season if I can convince him. Any any final thoughts? No. Yeah, I I think uh, I I have he, um, I mean he had an ambitious uh, just just made I think the two moves right, um, but uh, I really like you know reaching out for those two outfielders. Um, could be a lot of trouble for, for quite a while. Um, I like Dandy how he just made, you know, two moves as well. Ended up just five bucks better, and now has you Darvish. Um, hardly pretty, seems fair. <laughs> fucking amazing. Um, yeah, I, 
I had Vandy, or uh, I had Habby finishing third, and I had, actually, I wrote up Vandy as an honorable mention, so, or, uh, we're definitely in sync there. Um, oh, obviously the worst off-seasons were VJ and Adam. Um, I think, I think everyone knows that. I think they know that. Um, I don't know that I really have anyone else particularly bad. Sorry, Tim, honorable mention. Uh, Mr. Byrne here, in, oh, in my opinion. That, Sorry, that's man. probably fair. Maybe I put him yeah. in, in there. It seems like you, you saved seven bucks in cap space, which is pretty cool. But, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know, you Darvish. I don't know. So, uh, Best of luck. Yeah, I'm, I'm trading water. That's all. Yeah. All right. Well, we will... Uh, we will bid everyone adieu. We'll probably see some of you momentarily uh, as you step off the plane and into the sunshine that is Phoenix, Arizona. Um, good night, everyone.